Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. The following content is not suitable for children. George, women have less orgasms than men. It's not fair. Uh-oh. I think we're going to talk about the orgasm gap. We are. men and women. We All are. Right. Here it is. Welcome to Foreplay Radio, Couples and Sex Therapy. I'm Lori Watson, your sex therapist. And I'm George Fallon, your couples therapist. And we are passionate about talking about sex and helping you develop a way to talk to each other. Our mission is to help our audience develop a healthier relationship to sex that integrates the mind, the heart, and the body. Lori, there's some disturbing stats. We're checking out this article by Alice Broster. You know, about the orgasm gap. And wow, there's some uh, disturbing numbers here. So let's get into some of them. Yeah. So what are they saying? Well, a Dorex study found that a little over 20% of women do not orgasm at all mm-hmm. compared to less than 2% of men. Mm-hmm. And during intercourse, we've talked about this. This stat blew my brain that. of women are not orgasmed during intercourse, right? Most of their orgasms are going to come from clitoral stimulation. And yet, you know, the majority of men are orgasming during intercourse. Right. So it makes sense that men want to drive toward sexual intercourse because that's how they climax, right? But women are not. So what do you think causes the orgasm gap? Well, I think there's... A lot of reasons, but there's something built into a lack of awareness around how females are built and how they orgasm that allows these numbers to be lower. I mean, they also said 96% of men are going to orgasm during a sexual encounter, where only 64% of women are going to have an orgasm. And that's in any, whatever the sexual encounter is. Right. So... A little less than half of women are not orgasming during most of their sexual encounters. Like, so 40%, let's say, little, yeah, 40%. So, you know, one of the things that is so important in partnered sex is mutual satisfaction. You know, a woman's got to have a climax, really. I think that builds her libido. I, I don't think every single time a woman has to orgasm. Sometimes women enjoy the experience of intercourse without orgasming they i mean both people can enjoy just being naked touching they don't always have to have an orgasm and that and i think that sometimes women particularly tell me you know i don't always need it although i would say that's her call and i never really hear men talk about that right you know like i just want to be in bed have an erection and it's okay if i don't climax i appreciate you giving us the meta perspective because i do think it's important to set the goal the goal is to connect, then that's very achievable. I think mm-hmm. sometimes there's too much pressure where we put the goal as an orgasm or a mutual orgasm. And there are some of these statistics here that say there is an unfairness to just the number of orgasms happening in a relationship, in a heterosexual relationship. Mm-hmm. And yet, when you look at lesbians, they're having more orgasms than heterosexual women. 
right. which I found very interesting. What do you exactly. think that's about, Lori? Well, I hope what it's about is that a woman understands female anatomy. Mm. And so she understands the timing of it. She can sense, you know, her partner's body as it gets aroused. She knows what she's looking for because she knows her own body. Although I will say, George, I've counseled many lesbian women who don't know if their partner climaxes. So that's a whole nother story. But I mean, yes, by and large, a woman knows her own body and therefore she knows her partner's female body. Whereas I think men don't know, like, where does it center in a woman in terms of her excitement and her arousal? Most men, I think it's, they think it's the vagina. You know, the vagina is like, it's hand in glove, right? The vagina is an inside out penis, whatever he's feeling on the outside of his penis, she's feeling on the inside of her vagina. And so not true. Right. In a YouGov study, they found that when you ask men to label a diagram of the vulva, 60% of men couldn't describe the function of the urethra. 47% didn't know where or what the labia was. 52% didn't know what the vagina was for. So there's some really kind of I would say gross negligence here. What do you think, Lori? Just have no idea what these body parts are. They're all lumped together. Right. And they probably think that potentially, right, touching any and all of those parts causes the same excitement or arousal as touching the clitoris. I That study gave me a little bit of hope because there was a fairly high percentage of men who could label the clitoris. Thank God. Yes. You know, so there, there's getting to be more information about the glitterous, you know, but if they don't know the other structures and what they're for and how they, you know, start to engage in the sexual excitement of any encounter, I I mean, you know, that's, that's tough. And who are teaching men about a woman's body? I mean, this, this isn't a man problem. That's why to me, this is more of a cultural societal problem, right? How many women don't know their own bodies? Right? How many mothers don't talk to their kids about their own bodies and fathers? This is like this is a whole system built in place that really have a lack of awareness around female anatomy and what it takes to create an orgasm. And I happen to know you as a father have mentioned the clitoris to your sons. Well, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. And I also mentioned the clitoris when I was describing to my sons female anatomy you know, as the center of how a woman gets excited. But how many parents have said that to -hmm. their children as they are helping their children learn about their own bodies, about the opposite sex body? I mean, I don't think many people say that to their kids. I was on a Facebook post the other day, and there was something like, can you imagine? It It was people against school education. I mean, for heaven's sakes, they're they're mentioning and labeling the clitoris. I'm like, and why would you not do that in the seventh grade? Like, so important to know where the clitoris is versus the ovaries. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, in terms of our future sexuality, is it not more important to know where the clitoris is? But they were up in arms. It's like this, this doesn't need to be told to children. I'm like, oh my gosh. Well, you know me, there's always a good reason for it. If you think that education is going to lead to promiscuity, then, you know, I get people's reluctance. But that's why we need good education, not just random education, right? Yeah. And I will say, just to add to that point, that the research does say that children, particularly young girls whose mothers have taken the time to really educate them about their bodies 
and about their body's sexual response, the stats show that they're less promiscuous. Because you can imagine, right? This is something I own. My mother gave it to me. My mother labeled it for me. She told me about it. It isn't some other person or some boy who gives me this experience the first time. It's like, it's mine. you know. And so they own it. There's more agency in that when you are told and given this good gift of knowledge by your parents. And I mean, I think it's the same sort of thing with boys too, respectfully teaching them about a female body. I mean, what a message. A beautiful message. But you can see all the things that can stack up that can make it harder for women to have an orgasm. You don't get that education, right? Mm-hmm. You you are in college and you're hooking up and your body takes longer to warm up and that's not happening. I mean, there's so many things that could get in the way of having an orgasm. For a guy, it's a lot easier. I mean, boom, there you go. It's ready and it's it's... <laughs> So this there's that boom again. I love there's that boom. These, I mean, testosterone's a beautiful thing, and it makes the process easier. That's why so many men don't develop other areas that can really enhance their sexuality because they're so focused on the boom. But that is helpful when it comes to an orgasm, right? That's Mm -hmm. why these statistics are so skewed in the direction of men having orgasms. And when men later in life struggle with that, they they start to have real problems, right? Mm -hmm. So I think we're we're also going to talk about how to educate men to develop other areas of sexuality instead of just this focus on the orgasm and the testosterone. Mm -hmm. But like, talk a little bit, Laurie, about, you know, hookup culture and how how infrequently women actually orgasm then here they are in the prime of their lives and and it's it's not happening so tell us more about that right only 10 percent of women george are shown to orgasm during a hookup so you, you think about this there are many times i think seasons of life and maybe most young people realize it's not a time for permanence you know, but they they do feel sexuality coursing through their bodies. I get that. I do. I get that. And especially, I think if men, young men, are more focused on genital pleasure versus intimacy, you know, a mm-hmm. hookup is a beautiful mechanism for that. Yeah. And you know, variety makes a lot of sense to a lot of young men. It's like great, and and to women too. And I, in no way, am saying that women can't be very sexual at those ages and can't have orgasms and can't direct their partners. Some of them do, but the agency that is required for a young Mm. woman in a hookup to A, know her body, know how she climaxes, B, demand it of her partner and say, hey, baby, go down, you know? It's like, I mean, right? It's like saying those things to a stranger, you, you really have to feel a lot of confidence about it, about your ability to take Right. And I think that, you know, many times women are socialized to give. Yes. Especially sexually. I want to give to my partner. I want to make my partner happy. I want to make them feel like man of the world and appreciated. But they don't, we're not socializing young women to take sexually. And, and I, those things are intertwined, right? It's not one or the other experience. But I think young men, you know, they they do feel okay about hey, I'm going for it. And so they have the orgasm and then maybe they're done. You know, they don't have the patience. They don't even know if she came or not. So many young men say, I have no idea if she came or not. And it's like, oh, wow, gosh. And, and maybe they're not just selfish and want to come themselves and not, but they don't know and they don't have the sort of self 
developed yet to ask the woman that because if she says no maybe they'll feel inadequate i mean there's mm. so much at stake in that moment and so lots of things coming against this I, and most of these these men really want their partner to orgasm it's not a selfish just they don't care they want to but there's just a there's a mishappening here and i think you're putting your finger on something i want to talk about when we come back from break you know this female kind of being shaped to give where men are more shaped to kind of get what they need. And that's going to play out here with the orgasm. So let's come back and talk about that. Okay, good. So for all you therapists out there listening to our show, I really want you to check out successinvulnerability.com, our new training website that we believe is taking online therapist training to the next level. It's so focused on moment-by-moment practical moves, less theory, to really get people to have immediate success, right? We're trying to measure targets of change so we can see if we're on target or we need to adjust. And the feedback we're getting is really excited. We're incorporating that feedback to continually adjust and to change the schedule. And come join us, SIV team. I'll just put a plug in for it as well because I am one of the learners This kind of instruction just is not out there. How to do the micro moves that change people's hearts toward each other. It's so good. So it's reasonably priced. I just encourage you to go over to successandvulnerability.com and sign up. It's great training. Speaking with certified sex therapist Lori Watson from Awakening Center for Couples and Intimacy. Lori, what is an intensive? So an intensive is 12 to 14 hours of therapy all in one weekend. And it's a way to really make fast progress on an issue that you've been stuck in. Maybe it's a sexual issue or a relationship issue. People will fly in maybe on a Friday and we'll do three hours usually, get them acclimated, kind of set a direction. And then on Saturday, we usually do four or five hours and Sunday morning, four or five hours as well. Compared to weekly therapy, I mean, there's just so much more you can get done when you have a chunk of time. How do people know if an intensive will help them? I do an initial hour interview to make sure that the candidate is suited for that kind of deep, long work. And also to make sure that I'm the right person. And for the record, if you don't choose to come in and see me, then you don't have to pay for that hour. Overcome the challenges in your relationship and your sex life. Learn more about intensives and Awakening Center's other services at awakenloveandsex.com. So let's talk about this get and give dynamics playing out. You know, I saw this just last night. I went to the movies with my wife. And this is the first time since COVID. So nice. we were excited. We saw, what do we see? West Side Story, which ah. I won't get into. <laughs> but anyway, we go to the movie theater. We get our tickets. And, and now they're like, you got to select your seat. And it was pretty empty. So like, I just saw these dynamics play out that like, I'm looking for the best seats. Like, I want to be dead center. I want to be in a comfortable. I don't want people around me. So I'm being strategic and the guy's like, can you pick a seat? And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to figure that out. And my wife immediately just like said, 
two seats, like randomly. She just wanted like create no drama. She wanted to be easy. She don't care where she's going to sit. She's not like, so then we get into the movie theater. And of course the two picks seats she picked were not the seats that I would want to sit at. And I'm like, why would your brain even think about these seats? Like all the way in the corner. Like, I don't even understand. Like it would never occur to my brain because my brain has been trained to go for what I want mm. to speak about that. That's a privilege mm. that a lot of men have. It's like, you know, express what you need. Where she's always been kind of trained to like, don't cause a wave, just kind of make sure everybody's happy. Your needs aren't as important. If you sit in a corner, you sit in a corner. And I'm sitting there watching this movie say, this is, this is total different world. Yeah. Well, I, I, I didn't stay in the corner. So, you know, which <laughs> so caused a little fight with me. I inserted myself and I got to the seat I wanted. But, you know, and then I sent a message to my wife that, you know, is critical and we could get into our negative cycle. But I think so often this is what you're saying is happening sexually. I think right? you are right on. This is exactly, I believe, the dynamic that is problematic in the orgasm gap. Men do feel entitled to mm-hmm. at least assert what they want. And I'm that's gonna, a good I'm thing, man. That's a good thing. No, no, that's a good that. thing. It is a good thing. We we need women to have more of that. Amen. I, I do think we need men to be sensitive to the fact that women don't have more of that naturally. And if they want their partners to be sexually assertive, encouraging it at the movie theater might help. Yes, you know? there you go. Right? Oh, oh, let's put a highlight on that one. Because this is the stuff happening outside the bedroom that's really important. Women need to get better at expressing their needs and what they want, that they have a right to that, that it's not their job to take everyone else's needs first before their own, mm-hmm. right? It's finding that balance. Maybe men focus too much on it and women not enough, but you know that's why you need a relationship where you can balance yin and yang each other out. Right. And I mean, we also know there's a gap in terms of the household work that women do and the childbearing work. I mean, there's a gap. And I think some of it is women don't assert early enough. Maybe they, they make their needs known critically and angrily after they have felt for some period of time, the gap rather Mm -hmm. than saying, Hey, you know, this is what I need. My just this tiny little aside, but my son had a girlfriend who they lived together and she looked at me one day and she said, we're going to have the chore conversation today. And I said, Ooh, good luck with that with my son. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what she said to him is, okay, you know, what do you like to do? What are the chores you like to do? And he listed them. And she said, how long did that take you? And he listed it. And she said, great, you do that. And I'll do this for this many minutes. I'll do all this kind of stuff. And that's how we'll break it up. So she let him choose. What do you want to do? And how long does it take you? That's your job. And then I'll take this piece because she said it didn't really matter to her. But I mean, she was so assertive in a young relationship to have this negotiation early. I thought it was so great and thoughtful of her. The way she presented it, she didn't wait until there was resentment that built up. She decided right at the beginning, let's let's divvy this up. And I think, you know, right at the beginning, sexually, right? You need to put out there, if you're a female, this is how I like it. This is how I climax. This is what it takes me. And so many women are comparing their arousal to the quick male arousal. So they Mm -hmm. say, I'm dysfunctional because I take long. I'm like, no, you don't. You're female. This is how long it takes females. I mean, women tell me all the time, you know, how long does it take you to, I'll ask them, how long does it take you to orgasm? And she'll say, Oh, you know, like, gosh, forever, like 10 minutes. I'm like, okay, that's half the average. That's half the average. 
Yeah, you're you know, way ahead of the game. You're way ahead of the game because it takes most women 20 minutes of clitoral stimulation to orgasm. And that's after she's become aroused. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's going to take her something, maybe another 20 minutes is what I think, of general arousal to kind of sink into the moment to even want her clitoris to be touched. Whereas men, right? They see her come out of the shower, they're erect, boom, they can have boom. intercourse. <laughs> <laughs> beautiful thing that boom i'll tell you <laughs> and they can have an orgasm in maybe two minutes i mean to be male how wonderful know. I, you it, know it would be nice if every every female could just experience it at once and every man could experience what it's like to be a, a female just, exactly you know i had um boom <laughs> just, just, so i'm just gonna go with that all day now <laughs> love it <laughs> doctor he had prostate cancer he was on the drug that sucked all the testosterone out of his body. And he said to me, Lori, I would not wish this process on my worst enemy, but I wish for one day I felt what a body felt like without testosterone. He says, I would have had so much more compassion, patience, and empathy for my female partner. Yeah, it's amazing. I've worked too with a lot of men that, you know, have ED and are suffering from no testosterone <laughs> that is mm-hmm. and they just sex is without an orgasm they can't even imagine like even engaging in it mm-hmm. and to think about a lot of women that is sex yeah all like, the time all the time that they've learned to just be re- try to be responsive and hopefully things work but it's like they're really it's such a loving thing to do but we're encouraging women out there to like Expect more from it, want more from it, that there is something about, there's this good book called Fair Play that Mm -hmm. really talks about how so many things fall, like women become the safety net to take care of everything. Like if I come home and I want to help out, I'm going to do the dishes. But if I'm having a bad day, I'm too tired. I'm just not going to do the dishes. Like the dishes are going to fall on my wife one way or the other if I do them or don't do them. Like, and Mm. there's like a million examples of that throughout a day that, are just these invisible kind of unconscious ways women get the message that, you know, they got to put other people's needs and other people do things for other people before their own. And then all of a sudden we want them to turn that off and sexually show up in this big, robust way. And it's like, no, they've had a thousand interactions that have shaped them and they pull it out into the bedroom. So let's make this more conscious. Let's have these conversations and let's, you know, let's start shifting those numbers. You are dead on here. Absolutely. Thousands of examples where women are taught they need to be the one who smooths it over, who's the net, who captures all the details. You know, it's Christmas, right? And I saw this Facebook post of, you know, he's got to get her gift. Mm -hmm. And she's getting the children's gifts, the in-laws gifts, the neighbor's gifts, the teacher's gifts. Like, it's the Christmas the mailman, machine. The sanitation. There's so many gifts out there. My wife gets them like, oh, why are we get them that too? I mean, it's amazing, the list. <laughs> but it's like, who's doing those gifts? Your yeah, wife is doing those gifts. Right. And so many examples of that. And I think you're right. You know, how do we share more fairly those kinds of things? Mm-hmm. How do we encourage our partner to assert themselves in conflict saying, hey, this is what I want. What do you want? And really listening and listening to the other argument of this is what I want. You know, men can go a long ways, both emotionally and physically, like knowing anatomy, knowing how a woman climaxes, knowing Mm -hmm. the timing that it takes. I mean, if I were male and I could come and go boom in 
two minutes. That would be awesome. I would love that. I mean, who would not want that? And sometimes you want to give that. I get that. Uh, you know, of course, you want to give that to your partner when they feel it every once in a while. But, you know, if you're in a female body, you're kind of trapped. This is, it takes us a long time. And this isn't something that men are doing as a favor so women could close the gap. I mean, that's cool. Men want this too. They want women to be more engaged sexually, to be more assertive, to be more empowered. Like this is a win for both sexes, right? right. If we start to shift these numbers. Exactly. Exactly. Man. Fair play. I think it's, it's, we're not trying to get people to just break down tasks. I mean, that's helpful, but it's what those tasks represent emotionally. Like women have to see that their willingness, that's beautiful, starts to suffocate their ability to kind of express their needs and their desires, right? And both sides got to help to kind of change that. But if you just go take a piece of paper and break up the chores, I mean, that's helpful, but it's, it will probably express itself differently just in another area. Like, I really hope our listeners are being more intentional to say, like, how can we get my female partner to see the value in, in kind of expressing their needs more, mm-hmm. right? That this is something that if they're not conscious, it's just going to, it's going to do its thing. And it's really inviting conflict is what I feel, you know, as you say that for women to start to say, you know, hey, I need fair play, not just foreplay, mm-hmm. you know, but I, I really need you to examine with me how much time you get in relaxation compared to how much time I get in relaxation or like, how is this really equal so that our burdens are equal? And mm-hmm. I mean, having that conversation, I hear women all the time say, you know, it's what kills my sex drive is my resentment. Yep. I say resentment is the monster under the bed. Mm-hmm. I had I used to have people list out chores in the sexual questionnaire. Like, how do you divide things? Because I knew fair play was so important. And I had one guy write down, you know what? Every single week, 365, 729 million blades of grass are cut by me. You know, that's how much I'm doing. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay. Well, that's my reluctance to want to turn this conversation into just a, a broker in more tasks. Because I do think a lot of women have to learn from men to let go of tasks, to let go of lists, to let go of, you know, making life all about. There's a balance of yin and a yang that both sides have something really valuable to contribute here. You but as right. we lean into the female part of this, right, I think for men to buy in, they really have to see their own benefits because that's what they're looking out for a lot of the time. But to recognize the more that a woman can express their needs, the more they're going to show up in energetic ways and affirming ways and engaged ways. Like that is what men want. They want their partner to be more present and they don't realize this is getting in a way. So I think this is really empowering for men too, to kind of see that they can get more from their partner, which is really awesome. I, I'm going to give that a boom. <laughs> I'm going to laugh at you every single time you do that, G. I love it. And you're right. I mean, the tour war could go on and on. And there are women who are compulsive and obsessive about clean. There are certainly men that are obsessive about clean too. But I mean, it does impact our sexuality, how we negotiate, how we represent the self Mm -hmm. and our own needs is really important and is, is pervasive throughout the romantic relationship, not just in the bedroom. 
And if we want our partners to represent themselves, we got to be open to that happening everywhere. Uh, we set up some our listeners for some fights. I like it. That's a good thing. As long as <laughs> you prepare, it's going to give you more energy. You know what? Conflict creates sparks and sparks create sex. So have at it. Yeah, have at it. Boom. Okay. Keep it hot. And keep it fair. Boom. Hey, don't forget to check out uberlube.com with the coupon foreplay. It really helps us to support the podcast and keep delivering free content. Thanks so much. Call in your questions to the foreplay question voicemail. Dial 833-MY-4PLAY. That's 833-MY, the number four, play. And we'll use the questions for our mailbag episodes. All content is for entertainment purposes only and should not be considered as a substitute for therapy by a licensed clinician or as medical advice from a doctor. This podcast is copyrighted by Foreplay Media. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.